This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us again. The Bible has much to say on the subject of truth. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. John 14, 6, The Lord Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when I think about all the passages concerning truth in the Bible, I think a lot about that conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate in John 18. After Pilate asks Jesus if he is the king of the Jews and asks him what he has done to be put on trial, Jesus answers, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. Then you are a king, Pilate said. You say that I am a king, Jesus answered. For this reason, I was born and have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? Pilate asked. What a question. And in our increasingly post-truth society, this question matters more than ever today. So we're going to talk about it with Mike Gendron. He is founder of the great ministry Proclaiming the Gospel, and he has written two great books called Preparing for Eternity and Contending for the Gospel. And we'll be talking right now about an important question that Mike has asked in a recent piece he wrote called Truth or Consequences. And Mike, so glad you're with us. How are you? Well, I am still blessed, Janet. It's always good to be with you, especially when we're talking about truth. Well, it is a very important question. And isn't it weird to be living in a time where people don't even recognize in many sectors that truth exists? How, how can you live thinking there's no such thing as truth? It's very bizarre. Well, it is. And of course, we're living in a time right now where people are pursuing the truth on this virus that is sweeping the world in a pandemic fashion. So... It's interesting that when people recognize they need truth, they pursue it, but it's really interesting that very few people are pursuing biblical truth, and of course there are dire consequences for those who do not pursue the truth. In your opening statement, you mentioned that Jesus came to testify to the truth, and he's also the personification of truth, as you pointed out in John 14:6. He's the truth for those who are being deceived. And he also said, thy word is truth. And I'm always amazed when people pursue truth in so many different places other than Christ and his word. He is indeed the only truth that will never mislead people and never deceive them. Amen. You know, it's funny when you mentioned the coronavirus, I saw something on social media recently. Somebody was talking to an elderly person who was out and about and he said, hey, you know, you're you're older. What are you doing walking around? The older people are supposed to be quarantined so they don't catch the coronavirus. How old are you? And the man said, I'm 65. And he said, well, if you're 65, shouldn't you be inside? And the guy apparently literally replied, I don't identify as 65. Mm, that's good. <laughs> now, what about, I mean, how about denying 
denying the truth right there. I'm 65. I was born 65 years ago, but I don't identify that way. Therefore, it's no longer true. But that is part and parcel of the human condition, isn't it? I don't want to face the truth about myself for various reasons. Do you see that as tying into our sin nature in some respects? Well, I do. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, Jesus, well, the word, actually, Paul wrote the word. He said that people suppress the truth of God and unrighteousness, and that's a good example, just suppressing the truth that doesn't agree with people. Well, they just want to ignore it or suppress it and go their merry way, but uh, truth is very important, and those who do not pursue it will face severe consequences. It's really interesting that Jesus also said, everyone who is of the truth hears the voice of the Good Shepherd and follows him yes. because they know his voice. And once again, it's very easy to pursue the truth. We just need to open the Word of God. Well, we do. Now, going back to John 18, I'm just curious to get your take on this. Pilate asks this very important question, what is truth? And I have heard some commentators say that he was asking that question in a sarcastic way, as if he was saying, well, who can really know the truth anyway? Do you think that's really the essence of what Pilate was trying to say, or do you think that was a sincere inquiry? Well, I guess we won't know until we get to heaven, but uh, I tend to think that um, because truth is often overlooked, I think maybe he was looking for an answer from the one who claimed to be testifying to the truth. And of course, uh, there's many different definitions of what truth is. The one I like the most is that which is, that which is in accordance with fact or reality, hmm. and Jesus personifies that very much. Right. I like that definition. So when we answer the question, what is truth? That's a perfect way to describe it. And yet the Bible says Jesus came into the world to testify to the truth. Now, you can see a lot of angles to that, surely, because there are all kinds of truth out there. There's the truth about what is factually the way trees look and the way the colors are and all that. But when we're talking about what Jesus said in John 18, where he says, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. What is the highest essence of our definition of truth when we're talking about biblical truth? Well, Jesus is the personification of truth and his word is truth. He came to testify to the truth, and then when he ascended into heaven, he gave the responsibility of protecting the truth to the church. Right. He said the church is called to be the pillar and support of the truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. So in that sense, it's the God-given responsibility and privilege of every born-again Christian to defend the truth of God's Word. But yet, Janet, we're living in a age where truth is being maligned and compromised like never before. And that goes both inside and outside the church. In fact, most of the world is caught up in disillusionment and confusion today. People are unsure about virtually everything, and they do not know where to turn for the truth. This is a great time for the church to point people to the infallible source for truth, which is the Word of God. People are looking for an authority right now. They've been misled and disillusioned for so long. They can't trust the media. There's fake news everywhere. And so we really need to point people to the sure foundation for truth. Well, that's right, Mike. I couldn't agree more with you. And when you cite 1 Timothy 3.15, the Church of the Living God is called to be the pillar in support of the truth. We do have problems inside the church. And I do agree with you that we are compromised in many ways like never before. Where do you think the church is falling short of being the pillar in support of the truth? What are some of the areas of concern that stand out for you where we really need to get our biblical act together? 
Yeah, that's really a good question, and I really think it all comes down to most of the churches today are now social clubs and entertainment centers, and many of our pastors are not preaching faithfully the Word of God. So when people in the pew are not getting a steady diet of God's Word, then they're not hearing the truth, and when they don't hear the truth, then they don't know what is false, and so they're swept away by every wind of doctrine. And that's the state of the professing church today. As you know, there are very few pastors who faithfully preach the whole counsel of God, and so often we get calls and emails, where can I find such a church, because they're really on the endangered species list. Yeah, and it's a real tragedy because you have new generations coming up. Mike, this is really the tragedy of it when you look at some of these Barna statistics on the lack of a biblical worldview that subsequent generations, younger and younger, are getting less and less of a biblical worldview. So you would put the blame here when we're looking at the church falling short on being the pillar in support of the truth on really the whole counsel of God, that it's not just one area here or one area there, that in some respects it seems like what you're saying is the whole authority of the Word of God to guide the church is endangered. Well, that's right, Janet, because when you consider everything we need to know the truth about, it's um, vitally important to know the truth about Jesus, to know the truth about His gospel. We need to know the truth about heaven and hell. We need to be able to discern God's way from man's way and how to worship God in truth. We also need to know the schemes of the devil so that we can be prepared to fight against Uh, the spiritual warfare that's going on. And we also need to know the truth about God's church. I mean, there's so many different churches, many of which don't represent God's church because many pastors have thrown away the Lord's blueprint for building His church, and they're trying marketing ideas, and they're no longer building God's church, but they're building their own church. You're right. So this is the crisis that we're facing now in Christianity. We certainly are. Well, there's a lot to talk about on the subject of truth or consequences. We're going to get into more on it with Mike Gendron. When we return, you're listening to Janet Meffer today. The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. This is Janet Mefford. 
Did you know that persecuted believers are praying to receive their own Bible? Nepo is a pastor in Africa attacked while preaching by extremists, and he's praying for Bibles for former Muslims who are now following Christ. Ada was forced into an arranged marriage to an abusive atheist in Europe, but her godly witness led him to Jesus. Emilio lost everything after his home was burned by witches in Latin America, and he's praying for a Bible to share Christ with them. Will you be the answer to these pleas for God's Word and see many others come to faith? $5 sends one Bible. $35 sends seven Bibles, and a limited-time Bible for Bible match will help us reach our goal of sending God's Word to 1,200 persecuted Christians. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or by clicking the Bible League banner at JanetMefford.com. 800-YES-WORD. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 25, 5. So many verses in the Bible point to truth, and yet we are living in this post-truth world where people say ridiculous things to each other like, well, I have my truth and you have your truth, and it drives me crazy, but it really ought to drive every Christian crazy because we are grounded in the truth of God's Word and in the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who said He is the way and the truth and the life. Mike Gendron is joining us, the founder of Proclaiming the Gospel, wonderful ministry. You can find them at proclaimingthegospel.org. And in a recent newsletter, Mike had a terrific article that I wanted to talk to him about on truth or consequences, and we're going through some of that. Let's talk, Mike, if you would, about the characteristics of the truth, because first of all, you make the point that truth is exclusive. Now, we know we worship the triune God and his gospel is exclusive, but Getting to the point of the exclusivity of the truth, why is it that truth, ontologically, must be exclusive? Well, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ as the personification of truth, he's an example of the exclusivity of truth. He declared that he is the only way to the Father. Yet we live in this pluralistic society, and this is offensive because, you know, how dare you say that there's only one way to be right with God, there's only one way to heaven, but yet that's the words of our Lord Jesus. It excludes everything that is contrary. No lie is of the truth, as we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 21. And you mentioned the gospel is exclusive, and I believe that that's the greatest attack on the Christian faith today, <laughs> is on the exclusivity of the gospel, because there are so many people willing to compromise the gospel, to remove the essential elements of the gospel, to remove the offense of the gospel, they want to make it more pleasing, more oh, user-friendly, if you will, and so that they will draw a larger crowd and a larger following. But the Lord declared the gospel to be exclusive. He said that if you believe any other gospel, you believed in vain. And then Paul even pronounced a divine curse on anyone that would alter, pervert, or distort the gospel. And so we see the exclusivity of truth not only in Christ, but also in his gospel. Well, that's right. And I know you and I have discussed this on previous occasions, but it bears repeating. When we're talking about gospels that are incomplete or twisted in some way or made user-friendly, as you just mentioned, what should people look out for? If you have somebody who's listening to us right now who's not a Christian, who really wants to know what is the true gospel that the Bible teaches, 
Tell us what that would be, Mike, and where there might be some pitfalls. If you go into certain churches, you might hear this, but that's not the gospel. Well, it all starts with the holiness and righteousness of God, and God is our creator. He has sovereign control over the whole universe, and his throne is based on righteousness and justice, and we look at the holiness of God, and he cannot allow one sin to ever go unpunished. Divine justice must be satisfied. And so that's the issue that we all face, because the Bible also tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so everyone must either pay for their own sin or trust in Christ to satisfy divine justice. But God must punish every sin that's ever been committed by every man and woman that's ever lived. He didn't leave us in our helpless and hopeless condition. His attributes of love and mercy and grace are demonstrated when he sent his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin and died on Calvary's cross, and three days later he was resurrected from the dead, showing that divine justice was satisfied. And so later he ascended into heaven. He now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all those who would put their trust in him as their substitute to not only obtain the forgiveness of sin, but also to obtain his righteousness. That's man's only passport into heaven. God's righteousness requires perfect righteousness. So God, again, didn't leave us in that helpless condition, but he gave us the gift of Christ's righteousness to all those who will trust in him. So in Christ, we have the complete forgiveness of sin. We have the perfect righteousness of Christ imputed to every believer. And the only saving response to this good news is to repent and believe it. And that's uh, from Mark 1, 15 in Mark's Gospel. And so there are many today that have excluded the righteousness of God. They've taken that away. And the most common response to the Gospel today is, I hope I'm good enough to get to heaven. Well, when you leave the righteousness of God out, then people have a false sense of security that God grades on the curve rather than on the cross. And we also know that repentance is often removed from the Gospel presentation. And yet the Lord Jesus began and ended this ministry with repentance. Yes. It shall be preached in his name for the forgiveness of sin. And so those are the major elements of the gospel that are offensive to people. Most people want to believe they're good enough, but we need to let them know that they've all sinned and they're condemned to a eternity in hell unless they trust Christ alone as their one and only Savior. Amen. Well said. Very, very good, Mike. You have some experience sharing the gospel. <laughs> it's obvious you got it all in there. You know, and I wonder if you could comment a little bit. One of the things that I've noticed in culture these days is you will have from time to time in the celebrity world, I won't name names, but certain people will pop up, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to this big mega church and I love God and I love this devotional. Of course, I also sleep around and I drink a lot and I do this and I do that. And increasingly what I've noticed is that in, in previous times, you know, when I was a lot younger, anybody who was doing all of these things, sinful things and claiming to be a Christian, everybody immediately knew there's a problem. Because if you claim to be a Christian, but you don't act like one and you're walking in a way that's outside the lines of what scripture teaches holiness is, then I have a reason to say, are you really sure you're a Christian? What are your thoughts on the propensity that more 
more and more people have to adapt uh, really Christianity to a worldliness that is totally outside the Bible, because that that really seems to be when you get into the younger generations, something that younger Christians or people who go to church are saying, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe in Jesus and as long as you have professed Jesus as your savior, then he saves you because we're not saved by works anyway. This antinomianism that is still ever present. Yeah, that's a good question. Again, it goes back to when the gospel is not proclaimed and its clarity and completeness, and when the Word of God is compromised with worldliness, then we have a lot of people that go to church thinking they're Christians because they have all this religious activity. But um, we see in Matthew 7 the most terrifying words any professing Christian could ever hear when Jesus says, you said, Lord, Lord, but yet what they were doing was they were boasting in their religious activity, and they had never repented from iniquity. And so without a call to repentance, without a proclamation of the true gospel of Christ, then there's going to be a lot of people on that last day hearing the most terrifying words when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because in that passage, they were trusting in what they were doing rather than what Christ had done. And again, it goes back to our people hearing the objective truth of Scripture. Yes. It is not subjective. It's not dependent upon anyone's belief. But the professing church has abandoned the pursuit of objective truth. We see that in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 4. Paul writes, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth. So, Janet, a lot of the blame goes on the people that are going to these churches to be entertained rather than to be fed the truth of God's Word. And so often, as you know, these pastors, when they recognize they've invited the world in, and they need to keep the world. They need to um, entertain the goats rather than feeding the sheep, and that's where they spend all of their time. And so any born-again Christian that's, any, that's involved in any of these churches will not be fed the truth of God's Word, and they'll not be sanctified in the truth. So it really is a problem today, and as you know, uh, this shouldn't surprise us because in the end, the Lord said that these things must take place before yep. He comes for, for His church. And I re- really believe the Lord is purifying His bride today, and there's a lot of pretenders that have never been born again that are falling away into apostasy. Well, and I do wonder if we're in that time period that Scripture speaks of, they will no longer endure sound doctrine, because it's everywhere, Mike. It's absolutely everywhere. And, you know, when you talk about the the issue of Christianity being made palatable for people so you can fill the pews or fill the nice seats in the auditorium, as the case may be, you know, you this probably feeds into the whole problem that I've seen, for example, of pastors not preaching on subjects that the sheep definitely need to hear about right now. And I think about the homosexuality issue, for example. There have been studies done showing a lot of these churches won't touch that subject with a 10-foot pole. But you think of all the needy people out there who need to hear the truth at this very hour. It seems that we have an abundance of pastors who would rather keep their seats full than tell the sheep the truth. And isn't the shepherd going to hold them accountable for that? Well, he will. And it really grieves me to no end. It's heartbreaking to see. 
But anyone who suggests there is an objective source to be used to determine truth from error is said to be out of step with the spirit of this age. In fact, so often um, I'm on the front lines and I'm unwilling to compromise and I'm often labeled as intolerant and unloving and divisive. And, you know, when I look at the names that I'm being called, it's refreshing to know that the Lord Jesus was labeled the same way. And that's what happens when you stand on the truth of God's word. But today, most people are saying that no one should be allowed to expose anyone's false teaching. Yeah, I've noticed that. (laughs) I've noticed that myself. (laughs) And and doctrine is to be considered divisive, and of course it is, but we need to stand on the truth of the Bible. Amen. So churches and seminaries have drifted away from their biblical moorings because they're now viewing truth as subjective rather than objective. Mike, we're going to come right back. Mike Gendron here on Janet Meffer today. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.89. What a wonderful verse. There's so many verses in the word of God that we really need to meditate on and memorize so we can remind ourselves daily that God's truth never changes. The Bible never evolves. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. And we are talking about this subject of truth and consequences with Mike Gendron from Proclaiming the Gospel. We have talked, for example, Mike, about the fact that truth is exclusive. We've touched on the issue of truth being objective as well, that whether or not you believe your God, your God wouldn't send anybody to hell or your God wouldn't have a problem with a same-sex couple. That's just inventing a God of your imagination. And it's really startling to me, Mike, how people, the way I've said it is people separate the Bible from Christianity. Can you speak to that issue and and why so many people in your mind think that they can do that? Because that's just unthinkable, or at least has been in the past. But nowadays, that people do it all the time. Well, Janet, the problem is they deny that truth is immutable. Jesus, who is the personification of truth, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. Truth is eternal. It never changes. In fact, um, it's really amazing when we talk about the immutability, how truth is immutable. We're looking at God's Word, and uh, so often, you know, we live in this age of compromise. That's what's driving the pragmatic age in which we live. And we have to recognize that this may be an overflow from business and government where compromise is actually looked upon as being something good. But the immutable truth of God's Word needs to stand against all attempts at compromise. We cannot allow compromise to come into the church or even to deal 
with the Word of God in a compromising way. We must stand on the immutable truth of God's Word. For sure. Why do you think it is, though, that we see some of these efforts? For example, we have a social justice problem, as many listeners will know, in the evangelical circles now, which is a shame and ridiculous, and it's exactly what tanked the mainline liberal Protestant churches many years ago and is continuing to gut them. But when you see Christians who are saying, we want to reach the culture, and so we have to do what Paul said, you know, make yourself relevant to the culture that you might, by all means, reach some. And, you know, people were referenced that first. That, that goes all the way back to Bill Hybels talk like that in, at Willow Creek. And we know how that all turned out. But when we're talking about having cultural relevance and also being biblically sound and staying faithful to Scripture, what are the boundaries on that? In other words, what would you say to somebody who says we have to change because the culture is changing? We have to use pronoun hospitality when we talk to a transgender person, for example, as SBC President J.D. Greer said recently. How do you come down on that issue of culture versus eternal truth and how the Christian should handle those things? Yeah, that's really a good question, and we look at truth as not only being immutable, but also authoritative, and I think that's where many of the church leaders are falling today. They're denying the supreme authority of God's Word. They deny that truth is authoritative, and we know that the supreme authority of truth reigns over the powers of darkness. It sets believers free from the bondage of sin and deception, And so when we abide in God's Word, we're going to know the truth. And when we submit to its authority, then we're going to submit to what the Word says. And the Word definitely goes against much of what we see in our churches today. And you mentioned some of those being social justice and women in the pulpit and homosexuals being invited into the church and placed in positions of authority. These all go against the authority of God's Word and his immutable truth. And so it's really um, a compromise of the truth of God's Word, and whenever you compromise with the world, then that's a good sign that you're drifting into apostasy. Right. So really the application is, from what you're saying, that we stand on the Word of God, which is truth. Everything conforms to that. So when I'm speaking to somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible, and I am proclaiming what Jesus said, and I am telling that person what the Bible says about various subjects, the gospel or any of the you know other issues that we've mentioned here during the course of the show, the Bible has the final word. And th- th- I mean, this is tying into something else you say, that truth is absolute. So that, in a way, some people will say, well, that's too binding, and that's going to make me not able to reach my neighbors because they're going to think I'm a weirdo. But really, isn't that what it means to have a prophetic voice, as it were, to a culture that you are standing apart from the world enough that you're saying what this book says stands? And it's not up to me and it's not up to you. It's up to what God says in his word. Doesn't that give us more of a voice to the culture and not less? Well, definitely. But unfortunately, the culture doesn't want to hear that we stand on absolute truth. In fact, uh, you look at the charismatic movement, it, it supplanted the absolute truth of God's Word with experience, with subjective experience, and yep. they always have a word from the Lord. And another invasion of the church has been psychology. It's elevated felt needs over the revealed truth of Scripture. And so the denial of absolute truth is everywhere in the church today. It is. You know, the the practical 
working out of that, or I should say the consequences of that, are very, very sobering, Mike, because as I was reading through Revelation 20 this morning, and I was thinking about, starting in verse 11, the judgment before the great white throne, and I just want to read a portion of that. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and the one seated on it, earth and heaven, fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and there were open books, and one of them was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their deeds as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up its dead and death and Hades gave up their dead and each one was judged according to his deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone was found whose name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's very absolute, Mike. And I I keep thinking about people who think that we can play fast and loose with the final judgment. And I I just want to shout out to all of these people. This is what's coming. If you're worried about a recession, don't worry about a recession. Worry about this. This is your eternal destiny if you don't pay attention to the Word of God. Well, you're so true. And all throughout the Bible, we see that truth is antithetical to that which is false. And we see antithetical statements throughout the Bible. You just named one. It's either or. There's no middle ground. Everybody is either lost or saved on the way to heaven or on the way to hell. They're either justified before God or they're condemned. I mean, all the way through the Bible, you see this black and white presentation of the absolute truth of God's Word. And so, again, I think we stand on the Word of God and we can proclaim it with confidence, knowing that it's the inspired and errant Word of God. In fact, You know, when we look at the authority of Scripture, if we look at its internal testimony, we see that it is supremely authority because it describes itself as being holy and pure and perfect, inerrant, infallible. It is alive. It's God-breathed. It illuminates and it cleanses and it saves. It's the very seed that brings forth life. And so... We have something that we can proclaim with confidence, and if the culture doesn't want to receive it, then we have to keep preaching it, because there's no way that we could ever compromise to make amends with the culture or to invite the culture in. Yeah, amen to that. And it's universal, as you point out. There's no place where truth is not true. Again, the issue of culture comes into this, where you will hear people, for example, saying, well, in their culture, that works for them. But in our culture, we do this because we have a different culture. Well, how can you have a God who's created every single human being who's ever lived, who isn't equally relevant and true in every culture? That wouldn't even make any sense. Yeah, it applies to everyone everywhere. No one can ever escape the truth. And it's so encouraging for me. In fact, it's such a joy when I travel throughout the world and I minister in different churches and seminaries. It's such a joy to experience the fellowship believers that are united in the universal truth of the Bible. It is everywhere. You cannot escape it. Everywhere you go, truth is universal. And that's one of the things that I think is important when we look at salvation. Every eternal destiny is confirmed by the universal truth of Scripture. It cannot be escaped. In fact, every condemnation, every lost sinner um, is judged by the Word of God. Yep. That's right. We're going to come back. Mike Gendron with us talking about truth or consequences. Stay with us. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today.
When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The Ministry of Preborn invites you to share your pro-life message through sharing heartbeats. You see, when a young woman considering abortion sees her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, eight out of ten times, she'll choose life for her preborn baby. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. Would you join with Preborn and Janet Meffer today? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds and help save five babies' lives. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your donation goes toward saving babies' lives. Call now, 855-402-2229, 855-402-BABY. That's 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. From now through April, Janet Mefford Today is partnering with Bible League to send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians around the world. Can you help? Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 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 or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. James 1.18. So many verses in the Bible speak to this issue of truth, and we're talking about truth or consequences with Mike Gendron from Proclaiming the Gospel Ministry. Wonderful, wonderful ministry that he runs. It's proclaimingthegospel.org if you want to get more information about Mike and the wonderful work that he does with his dear wife, Jane. You know, when we talk about truth, and we've been talking about the characteristics of truth, Mike, the authority of truth and, and the universality of truth, when we are dealing with people in a post-truth society, people who honestly think that saying, my God would never do this, or my truth is that, how would you begin a conversation with that person to even establish that truth exists and you can't have individuals determining what is true outside the objective reality of the created order? How would you even talk to somebody like that to really get them over this idea that you can have a my truth as opposed to a the truth? Yeah, the best thing to do is to ask them, what is their source for truth? And they will respond with a variety of different ways. And a lot of it is their experience. They look inward. It's mysticism. It's uh, somebody they've been listening to on the radio. It's a priest, a pastor, a pope. You know, there's different sources people go to for truth. But my response is, of all of those that you've looked at or responded to, there's only one that will never mislead you and never deceive you, and that's the truth of God's Word. Mm-hmm. And so then I go on to let them know that there's agonizing consequences to anyone who chooses to reject or suppress or mishandle or disobey the truth. In fact, we 
We read in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against men who suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Yes. And so they cannot suppress the truth. They, they need to go to the right source, and then they need to read it and believe it and align their lives to the truth of God's Word. Do you think that that is really what is ailing us as a culture right now, or in particular our churches in large measure, that we are suppressing the truth? That's a really disturbing phrase if you just take it and isolate it and consider it. It's really scary, but that is what Romans 1 says. It is, and I see truth being suppressed everywhere I go on our travels. We're living in a post-Christian world, and... It's just like um, people would rather look everywhere else other than the Bible for truth. Uh, even even outside the church, um, where people are lost and confused and disillusioned, they don't know where to look for the truth. And again, I, I just think this is a great opportunity to be a source for the supreme authority of God's Word. You know, Janet, we're living in a time where people are fearful of their mortality, and they've got a disease that's threatening the life of people. But there's a much more deadly disease than that, and that's the disease of sin. Yes. We need to let people know that they were conceived in sin, they were born sinners, and that there is no cure, no human cure for the disease of sin. And whereas the coronavirus may take only 3% of the lives of people that are infected with it, those that are infected with the sin disease, 100% of them will die unless they take the cure. And we need to let them know that the only cure is the precious blood of Jesus. That is the only purification from the disease of sin. So again, I just hope your listeners would take advantage of the situation where people are recognizing that you know, their life may be in peril right now, and are they ready to meet their Creator? Yes. And uh, we have the life-giving cure, the blood of Jesus Christ, and we need to be proclaiming it from the rooftops. Amen. Oh, great, great message for right now. Absolutely. It's so true. And, you know, I think of what Third John 1-4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth, the words of the Apostle John. What would you say to parents out there who are so concerned about grounding their children in the truth. Because for anybody who has a child or a grandchild, your consideration of eternity is not limited to your own life. It's also extending, of course, to your own children and grandchildren. What advice would you give to those Christians for grounding the next generations in the truth over and against what the culture is trying to tell them? Well, that may be their most important ministry on this earth, is to encourage their children to abide in God's Word so they will know the truth and they will not be deceived by what is false. And, you know, family Bible studies are so important. Uh, Bringing the Bible out after dinner, praying together as a family, and then when you have grandchildren, you know, even if the parents may not be dutiful and bringing their children up in the Word of God, the grandparents need to take over. It's such an important ministry. We need to pass on the truth of God's Word to the next generation. And as the gospel is being compromised more than ever, we need to take a stand for the truth. Every Christian has been entrusted with the truth, and it's our responsibility to guard it, to proclaim it, and to pass it on to the next generation. If we don't, then what hope does the next generation have? We just need to be diligent about this. 
Well, we do. And and I really appreciate when you say we have to resist the attacks on the truth, the attacks on God's word. It would seem that would be an important thing, an important role that every parent and grandparent has, that when children are deceived, that we are there to correct them with the word of God. That's also an important part, not just the apologetics, but the polemics that we have to do. It's so true. We need to fight the good fight of faith. And we need to recognize just as we're at war against the coronavirus, we're at war against the evil deeds of darkness. We need to enlist in the Lord's army. And according to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are to destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God yes. and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And then he tells us how to do that with gentleness. We are to correct those who are in opposition in hopes that God will grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, 2 Timothy 2.25. So that's our ministry. We need to enlist in the Lord's army to fight the good fight of faith. Well, and it seems to me something that I'm always talking about because I'm reminding myself as much as I'm reminding everybody else. It goes back to something you said earlier in our conversation, and that was when you are willing to speak the truth and you're willing to correct error, People will not like that. And increasingly that's happening inside the church. People don't like you. They think you're too harsh. They think that you're a downer. They think that you're just divisive. And we hear a lot of that kind of talk, even in evangelical circles. But what I remind people about is, you know, we need to settle in our minds, it would seem to me, as Christians, that if I get insulted for saying what the Bible says, or if I am considered divisive, or if I am left out of the reindeer games of the cool kids in evangelicalism, that's okay, because I'm going in a different direction, perhaps, than those people who are playing church, as opposed to those who say, life, life, eternal life, I'm putting my fingers in my ears and running as fast as I can after Jesus. This idea that I may be separated, in a sense, from churchy people while I am trying to stay faithful to God's Word. I think a lot of Christians need to be reminded of that and encouraged to keep on going. Definitely. And again, the method is with gentleness. We need to speak the truth and love, recognizing there but by the grace of God go we. And often when I am in a conversation with people and they get upset with the absolute truth that I'm sharing with them, I will say, look, if our roles were reversed, I would want you to pursue me with the truth until I repented and believed it. Right. Because there are consequences, as the article states, truth or consequences that I wrote. There are consequences for unbelievers. If the unbelievers will not pursue the truth, if they don't have a love for the truth, then they will perish. There's consequences for false converts. They cannot be born again without the truth of God's word which is the imperishable seed that will bring forth life to them. And so any false convert that's in a church that's not faithfully preaching the Word of God needs to abide in God's Word so that they can know the truth and be born again. That's right. And then there's also consequences for believers, Janet. They will not grow in sanctification if if they do not abide in God's Word. And so we just need to take this seriously. Truth is something we need to embrace, we need to learn it, we need to guard it, we need to proclaim it. 
Otherwise, there is no hope for a lost and dying world. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. For those who are lost, they need to come and repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the best news the world ever received. And for those who are false converts, you don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you, from the mouth of the Lord Jesus on on the final day. You want to hear, welcome in, good and faithful servant, well done. That's what we all want to hear. And it's that much more important for us in light of eternity to make sure that we know that word of God and we're standing on it just as it is. And I'm so glad Mike Gendron and his great ministry, Proclaiming the Gospel, stand on that truth every single day. You can check them out at proclaimingthegospel.org. Mike, always a privilege and a pleasure to talk to you. You keep up the good work. Thankful for your faithfulness to Jesus Christ and so thankful you could be with us today. Well, thank you, Janet. And I know you will keep standing for the truth. Uh, By the grace of God, absolutely. We're going to finish well by the grace of God. Thanks a lot, Mike, for being here. Thank you for joining us on Janet Mefford Today. We'll see you next time. This hour of Janet Mefford Today has been brought to you by Bible League. Help us help Bible League send the hope of God's word to 1,200 persecuted believers. $35 sends seven Bibles, and today your gift will be doubled with a limited time match. Call now, 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD.